Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Skin Boss. We are so excited to have you. My name is Courtney Sykes and I'm a licensed aesthetics instructor in Columbia, South Carolina. I love all things skin at all times. Y'all know this about me. So we're super excited to share a couple of things this weekend. It is Saturday after a very, very busy week at Southeastern Aesthetics Institute which is the school that my husband and I own for future licensed professionals. It has been an amazing week. I will kind of recap on that and tell you that we had a start date with amazing brand new students. It was absolutely incredible in every single way. We had a ton of micropigmentation clients this week. We kind of had to play catch up from last week. So that involves micropigmentation of the brows, eyeliner, and lip blushing. Success for sure. Everybody turned out really great and the students had a ton of fun. I always enjoy hanging out with our advanced aesthetics students. If you are one of them, hello, I love you so much. <laughs> but we also ended the, ended the week with an amazing graduation ceremony, which is super meaningful. We had hundreds of people in the auditorium on the main floor of Southeastern Aesthetics Institute. And we graduated about 40 amazing students with their friends and family in the audience watching. And it was an absolute pleasure to, of course, stand up there with my colleagues, Jody McKenzie, who's a licensed instructor, and Shannon Cavey, also licensed instructor. And our other amazing team members and licensed instructors were everywhere else taking care of our on-site students. And it turned out to be an absolutely incredible week. So this is my one and only moment to kind of sit down quietly and uh, enjoy you guys for a moment. And I wanted to talk today about one of my favorite, favorite topics as I just got back from a trip to Arizona. For those of you in Scottsdale, I love it there, but the sun is super harsh. So I did want to chat today with you guys about melanin suppressants for hyperpigmentation topically, and just to educate you all on what to look for in your product. So we're going to dive deep into that. And then we're going to talk about some aesthetics devices. So we'll talk about this from an educational standpoint for any of you that are professionals in the industry. You can appreciate it from that perspective and kind of how to align that with your care plans for your clients or your patients. Uh, but then also, if you're a consumer and you're looking for a really amazing care plan, and I call things care plans, it's kind of a treatment plan, if you will, from start to finish of exactly what I would recommend. Of course, every plan can be changed. So we love that. But care plans are really important. And we're going to dive into that for hyperpigmentation today and what sorts of devices, not brand specific devices. So I will explain some of these definitions. And if you have any questions on brands of devices that I would recommend, shoot me an email or a text message. Y'all know that and I'm happy to share, but I love educating on factual information. So if you ever listen to me talk about ingredients, um, I try my hardest not to refer to brands or if it is equipment related, I try to speak to the technology because there's a whole lot of companies out there that do a fantastic job, some better than others, of course, as it always is, but I love to teach on the technology. So we're going to just go ahead and dive right in to that. Okay. 
So for hyperpigmentation, I think the biggest thing to remember, I mean, it is February. We're going to move into the springtime and ultimately the summertime here in 2022. So that's where we're at right now if you're listening in. And, you know, I'm seeing here in South Carolina, it's getting a little sunnier. We're kind of in the 60s today, if I were to guess. I think that's what it is. And so I'm super excited about that. But the biggest thing that we all need to pay attention to is preventative care first and foremost. And y'all know this. It's going to be a daily combination of vitamin C in the morning, your vitamin C serums, plus your sunscreens. Okay, so let's speak to that really quickly. Vitamin C, of course, is also known as ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid is the scientific term. So when you're looking at ingredient labels, you may notice that it's going to say ascorbic acid, L-ascorbic acid, ascorbyl glucoside, something along those lines. There's a couple of different versions of vitamin C that you'll see. If you see ascorbic acid, it typically is very straightforward with it being a true form of vitamin C. Of course, what we want to use is L-ascorbic acid, okay? But if you see something like ascorbyl glucoside, I want you kind of I want you to break down that term into what that actually means. So if something is a glucose, glucoside, glucose molecule, that's going to mean that it has a sugar molecule attached to it, meaning that it's got a thicker base to it, which there's nothing wrong with that, but is it going to be the most potent version of vitamin C? Probably not. So that is fine if it's there, but of course there's different versions of, and I always say, look for your active ingredients, your performance ingredients, if you will. In the first one to four or one to six ingredients, of course, at most in your ingredient label, you know that with products, concentrated active ingredients are at the beginning. You don't want things like L-ascorbic acid or ascorbic acid or any other form of vitamin C to be towards the end. So you're typically going to look for your best vitamin C's in a dropper bottle that has an amber color to the bottle or a blue color to the bottle. So what that means is it's going to stop any UV rays from coming inside the bottle and damaging your product. Vitamin C is very unstable and typically what would happen today is you would have something like ferulic acid to go into the product. A lot of companies, a lot of developers, product developers, chemists are utilizing ferulic acid as a stabilizer to the vitamin C so it lasts longer for shelf life duration. So that is something you want to look for, okay? But then you're going to apply that first after you double cleanse in the morning. I typically do my uh, exfoliation in the morning, my facial scrub, just to make sure my uh, makeup goes on really, really well. And if you have tried this, you know, you know what I mean. So you're going to put your vitamin C serum on top of your skin afterwards, okay? Another good ingredient that you might see in some kind of newer vitamin C's would be niacinamide. And niacinamide is phenomenal for tightening your pores and a lot of other things. So there's some other actives that can be in your vitamin C. So kind of look around and dig into different serums. It does not need to be in a cream, but a serum form. Remember, serums go in a little bit deeper. They're smaller molecular structures, and we love vitamin C serums for that. So it's going to be what it is. It's going to go in there and create that change, we love it, okay? And then what's going to happen is you need to, need to apply 
your favorite sunscreen. And I will tell you, your sunscreens do not need to be over the counter. And I hate to say that, but if you're going to the drugstore, big box stores, all of that, you know, those typically are going to be thicker and they're going to be made up of primarily oils and things that are very occlusive and poor clogging. And if you know what I mean, you know, when you go to the beach, you might stop by the store and get your very big bottles of sunscreen. That could be okay for a day on the beach, not so much for daily use in your sunscreens every day because many of us are fighting the poor clogging occlusive materials that are in a lot of products. So even if you're not acneic, you know, a lot of women and men We'll get a lot of dry skin for sure if they're not acneic or oiling, but they're going to get those clogged pores and you're going to see little blackheads. You're going to see little papules. Papules are little lesions that kind of, you know, sit on top of the skin. They feel like pustules, but there's no pus inside, but that really affects the texture of your skin. So that's something to think about. Okay. So here are the no's and y'all may have heard me say this before, but no to the O's is what I always say. So when you're looking at sunscreens, no to octanoxate, octosalate, and oxybenzone, okay? Make sure you do not utilize those in your sunscreen ingredients. Number one, it's toxic to your skin even more so for people that are young. So children are going to be very susceptible to this getting into their bloodstream. Uh, we as adults are unfortunately more prone to free radical damage. We have gotten ourselves a little more used to it, but that doesn't make it any less harmful or impactful in a negative way on our skin. So no to the O's, no to octanoxate, octosalate, noxibenzone. So it's toxic to our skin, but it also is not good for, you know, in terms of keeping your skin hydrated. There's really no benefits to it other than being a chemical sunscreen, which goes into your skin and causes long lasting uh, negative issues. So we don't want that. Okay. What you do want to look for is your titanium dioxide and zinc oxide always, okay? I'm also a believer to an extent in dimethicone. Dimethicone is a silicone ingredient. It works very well in sunscreens because what it does is it spreads out the material on your skin. So it's not gonna appear as white as that zinc oxide might cause your sunscreens to appear. If you feel like you have that issue with your sunscreens, you can purchase some that are tinted. So I do like that. Make sure your SPF is at least 30 or higher, absolutely. And then if you cannot or do not have your hands on a tinted version of a nice professional level sunscreen, you guys, so what I mean by that professional level is you're going to purchase from your local medical spa, esthetician, or day spa, and they would carry a nice professional brand, okay? And again, I'm happy to share with you some of my favorite professional brands off to the side if you contact me, but just make sure you do know that you can actually take a little bit of your liquid foundation if you have a tint, a color that you love and it just blends well into your skin, you can actually mix that into your sunscreen. Worst case scenario, it is a beautiful way to actually tone down the white that the zinc oxide gives off, okay? But that is what protects your skin. So it's kind of, you know, you're weighing your pros and your cons there. All right, so we talked about 
preventative measures, and that is a beautiful thing. We're going to do that every day. But aside from that, let's now talk about what you do when you actually have been out in the sun for a while, or because there's a couple of different methods of hyperpigmentation and a couple different sources of, okay? So you have sun damage from a couple of ways. Number one is from UV rays from the sun, okay? So what that's going to look like is more freckles, more little hyperpigmented spots, Okay. Now, when you're a female over the age of 30, usually now females in their 20s can totally get this as well, especially after having children or any any sort of hormone fluctuation or endocrine system issue. All right is when you start having the very splotchy looking hyperpigmentation, I always say that that is due to hormone fluctuations. Now that can come up on its own or it can be exacerbated by UV damage and internal inflammation. Okay. So hormonal hyperpigmentation, again, looks like splotchy paint splatter almost. If I were just, just to kind of explain it here on a podcast, that's how I explain it to my students is it looks like splotchy paint splatter in certain areas of your face. So it could be on your cheeks. It could be on your upper lip. That is a huge area where a lot of women get hormonal hyperpigmentation. It can be on the forehead. It can be on the neck. And sometimes hyperpigmentation doesn't have to be light brown or dark brown. It can actually appear a little red, red brown. For those that are a little bit more on the lighter Fitzpatrick end of the scale, the Fitz one and twos that are a little bit more fair skinned, red hair, blondes, that sort of thing. So we could talk about prevention of all that too. And I mean, who knows, I might dive into that, but I will tell you once you gain some of the freckles from UV damage and once you have, it could be an and or, or all the above, right? Or you have the hormonal splotchy hyperpigmentation, you need to kind of decide what you're going to do about it. Now, you know, of course, all of this is cosmetic in nature. If you are happy with the way you look by all means, for sure. But Oftentimes, we as women, and I will always speak to men too, that is for sure, but for women that have these hormone issues with estrogen and progesterone levels, and then your pituitary gland, when you have an in um, opportune amount of luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, those are actually types of trophic hormones that secrete from your pituitary gland, what happens is it can actually turn on something called MSH, which is melanocyte-stimulating hormone. And that's not good. And I will do a deeper dive on this. I feel like I said this the last podcast because I love hormone education. It just, I can really resonate that platform with a lot of what I speak to because it is the factor. It is the root of a lot of these skin problems for sure. But melanocyte stimulating hormone actually can be produced from your pituitary gland at the base of your brain. And it can trickle down into a couple of different areas such as your adrenal glands that sit on top of your kidneys. Okay. So I speak to Addison's disease and Cushing syndrome a lot. And that is a whole other separate conversation. But when you have those issues, you know, long story short, you can absolutely have some, you know, unauthentic, very not natural sources of hyperpigmentation that show up in your skin. So getting your hormones under control are the first and foremost thing. And that is a separate consultation than an esthetician or nurse practitioner, RN or dermatologist, plastic surgeon would have with you, the patient, right? Or the client. So that is, that's a different conversation. But 
Now let's actually treat what's there. You know, so let's say we're working on the internal, we're working on hormones, okay? And I will say really quick off to the side that fasting and intermittent fasting is one of the things that I've been doing a lot lately just to kind of detoxify. Make sure you're getting your good supplements in there for hair, skin, and nails. I love a good turmeric supplement for internal inflammation suppression. That's been a big one. And then making sure you use a juicer. I have been loving the celery juice lately, adding in a little bit of apple and pineapple. Those are some wonderful things you can do on a daily basis in your home just to really cut down on the inflammation. I love it, which will ultimately help with your hyperpigmentation. But let's talk to topical melanin suppressants right now. I will tell you that you should write these down. Look for a couple of things in your at-home serums, and I would suggest use these using these at night. We already mentioned vitamin C, and I will tell you that vitamin C is a melanin suppressant. It actually is a brightener. It's very much a brightener. So while it's preventative as a super powerhouse antioxidant, it's a brightener to your skin too. So you've already begun that journey if you're following that morning protocol. So that's a beautiful thing, but that isn't the only thing because people love vitamin C and they love it so much, you guys, that they only want to use it because you see the benefits of it, but there's always still going to be that missing puzzle piece. And this is going to be what you need. Okay. All right. Melanin suppressant number one. I suggest looking for some kojic acid. Kojic spelled is K-O-J-I-C. It is a type of alpha hydroxy acid, you guys, that literally can come from a couple of different sources. I mean, if you dive into some of my lectures, I've got some neat slideshows on where this one comes from. It is from fermented rice. A lot of the Japanese use it in their skincare products. Kojic acid can come from some other sources as well. But I will tell you that it's a great source of hyperpigmentation reduction. It is termed to be a brightener. So we love kojic acid for that. Look for your kojic acid serums. You might see it by itself. You might see that it's paired with some other acids such as glycolic acid, which has a molecular weight of 76. It is also a super powerhouse AHA, alpha hydroxy acid for creating mitosis of your keratinocytes. And again, mitosis is splitting of cells to create new ones. So the kojic acid works a little bit differently in the sense that it brightens your um, keratinocytes. So it actually does not treat the melanocytes in that basal layer of the epidermis. I will tell you what does in just a moment, but look for that one. Okay. So kojic acid is number one. Number two, if you're wanting to go more of the organic route, organic and natural, look for some skincare products that utilize licorice root extract. Licorice root extract is fantastic and is used in some of my favorite brands that do focus in on natural ingredients. Now, I'm one that will always tell you that natural ingredients are not always going to help those of you with hormonal anything. You're going to need to use some other scientific man-made or scientifically fermented ingredients that will actually help you get rid of some of these things. So I would say you could start with the use of alternation of vitamin C and kojic acid. When you get to this place where you're feeling about 75 to 80% more 
you know, cured in terms of reducing the melanin that you see in your skin, you could switch over to licorice root extract just to kind of continue the suppression of the melanin that way. And of course, continue using your sunscreens, vitamin Cs, all that during the day. Okay. So that's an option for you. I would say licorice root would be something to look for when you're a little bit more closer to the maintenance stage and not necessarily treating it on the front end. So I will tell you that. But so far, we mentioned kojic acid and licorice root extract. Okay. Then number three is going to be one of my absolute favorites, which is alpha arbutin. I will spell arbutin for you. A-R-B-U-T-I-N. Alpha arbutin. Look for this. This is a very hydroquinone-esque ingredient, but it definitely is derived from plants, but a super powerhouse ingredient that delivers results, okay? So arbutin actually tailors to the reduction of excessive melanocytes. So while I said that, kojic acid really removes excessive keratinocytes in order to create a brighter look to the skin, it does not work on melanocytes. So if I really have a client that is interested in massive melanin suppression, you guys, I will recommend this protocol. Here's what I will say. I'll say, okay, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I want you to use at night a kojic acid serum, okay? Every night, let that dry in. If you need a moisturizer or something like a squalene serum, which is very hydrating, on top of that afterwards, fabulous. Okay, do that. But then on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you're going to do your alpha arbutin serum. Does that make sense? So you're going to use that one and then let it dry in. If that person needs another hydrator, like I said, hyaluronic acid is another form of a great hydrating ingredient that I would look for. You can use that. So every other night, you want to use a keratinocyte, excessive keratinocyte suppressant, which creates brightening effects like kojic acid. And then the next night, use alpha arbutin, which actually suppresses excessive melanocytes. And if you're totally confused by what that means, keratinocytes and melanocytes, you guys, are cells that are located in the basal layer of the epidermis. Your epidermis is the first five layers of your skin. And oftentimes, anything over the counter cannot penetrate to that layer at all scientifically. And that is a fact. So that is why I'm big on professional level skincare that has nanotechnology, that delivery system to create the results that you need. So that's why I'm always a big advocate because it's just a fact that when you go to see your licensed professionals, folks, they're going to put you on the right thing. They're going to be more potent. They're going to be more nanotechnology specific, cosmeceutical grade skincare that delivers results. I don't care. I mean, if it's from Walmart, CVS Pharmacy, any of that, it's not going to deliver the results by way of scientific fact. I was chatting with one of my advanced students. Shout out to Michelle Fuller in Georgia. Hey, girl. Uh, but she was talking about, I always do these uh, comparison charts for over-the-counter products. And she was sharing with me a celebrity-endorsed product from Neutrogena. Sorry, Neutrogena people. But it had retinol as the main, you know, marketed ingredient. It was actually, in fact, at the very tail end of the ingredient label, which is ridiculous marketing to a consumer that is buying it thinking it's going to deliver retinol. And it's totally not. I mean, 
I will deep dive into that one another time too. But you guys, that is just horrendous marketing and truly taking consumers money. And it's a waste of your time and everybody's time. And it's boosting the bottom line of these big companies that just truly care about numbers. And I hate that. I was talking to my husband last night about that. And I said, you know, skincare is a booming market. But you have all these business people, and I'm all about business too. I get it. However, it should not be about margins and numbers. That's a byproduct of what it should be about. The actual reasoning and the logistics behind success of any skincare line should be the results that the consumer receives. And if you have to spend a little bit more as a skincare line on raw materials that actually produce results and that's what you need to do okay and if you make a little bit less money in the long run on this one particular item then that's fine you're creating results for the consumer and that is just my takeaway on it you know and you know that's where i stand with it so here we are <laughs> but anyway okay so back to our melt and suppressants i mentioned my favorite three which are going to be kojic acid, which is going to be your AHA. That's going to be your brightener, okay? And these are all your at-night products. Then you can do licorice root extract and a serum. That's more of your natural organic resource. And that one is fantastic as well, but more for when you're in the maintenance stages of your skin health journey towards melanin suppressant and hyperpigmentation reduction. And then we talked about alpha arbutin. And alpha arbutin is very hydroquinone-esque. And when I say that, I want you to know that I used to be a hydroquinone junkie. Hydroquinone is fabulous as a prescription product for suppressing melanin at 4%. It is prescription that way. 2% hydroquinone. I don't really care what any of y'all think, but I'm telling you because I've done it. I've seen it. I've been around it my whole life. 2% hydroquinone does not work as well as 4% hydroquinone. So therefore, if you're going to do a toxic chemical on your skin, you may as well go prescription and let it be very, very temporary. Okay. That one needs to be prescribed by a physician and there that's that okay but it's not good for you overall there are ways that you can reduce hyperpigmentation without it so that's why i say alpha arbutin is my favorite 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 for reducing the excess melanocytes that way alternate them every other night between kojic and your alpha arbutin and then you can throw in the licorice root towards the end of that journey make sure during the day you're using your vitamin c and your sunscreen and you're good to go definitely contact me if you need specifics on brands that I would recommend because not every product is made equal, but as long as you're not purchasing from big box stores and from your um, Walmarts and CVS pharmacies of it all, you guys, then you're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now on to the equipment. We just at Southeastern Aesthetics Institute purchased some new equipment. So I do need to dive into that, but I will tell you, remember what I said about where melanin actually is located. It's located at the basal layer of your epidermis, and you need to be able to get there in order to create that change. So if you're an esthetician listening to this podcast, or if you're a consumer, here's what it is. You can do superficial things all day long, and I know everybody loves a good microdermabrasion, and I do too, okay? I love a good hydrodermabrasion also 
All of that is fabulous and wonderful. That's a good place to start in your routine and it's a good place to finish. So microdermabrasion sands down the top layers of the skin, but that should literally be what makes you realize that's not meant for hyperpigmentation. It sands down the top layers. So that's good to start. We need to get rid of the top layers of skin, but then I want you to deep dive into a couple of options here. So I will tell you one of them being microchanneling. Microchanneling is very superficial and stays in the epidermis of the skin. It creates little pathways for the melanocytes, your cells, your melanin cells, and your epidermis to truly kind of break up. So oftentimes you need that. Uh, microchanneling is one of our favorite things. I definitely suggest a couple different options there. Usually when we do microchanneling, I recommend doing four passes. And what you'll do is it's a stamping method where you have different things that are injected into the skin. So one of which I would recommend would be stem cells for new cell production, hyaluronic acid for uh, sending in hydration, you know, and binding water to the skin. I also, I also love squalene. Y'all know this. Squalene builds in this glowing hydration that sits a little bit closer to the top of the skin. So that would be a good way to finish off the microchanneling. But what you can do inside of that is a little bit of kojic acid at around 7.5%. Anything less than 10%, you can microchannel a little bit of kojic acid into the skin. Nothing more than 10%. For those of you that are questioning that, I'm telling you, try it. You will love it. Your clients will love it. If you're a consumer, you'll love it. And then finish off with a squalene pass. And it is beautiful. And your skin will just absolutely drink it in. And it will absolutely lighten that hyperpigmentation and brighten it. It is fantastic. Another option you can do that's a little bit more invasive is going to be your lasers, your ablative lasers. Okay. So I love, and I try to talk about this non-brand specific, but you've got ablative, which is fractionated laser resurfacing and you have hybrid fractional, okay? Meaning if it's more ablative, it's gonna go deeper. If it's hybrid fractional ablation, then it's not gonna be as deep. Both are fantastic. If you're a newbie, I definitely recommend hybrid fractional lasers to begin with. It sends down alternating energy into the dermis only of the skin, typically alternating between 1470 and 2940 nanometers into the skin and producing something called fibroblasts, which produce collagen, elastin, and glycosaminoglycans. But in the midst of that, because melanocytes are more superficially planed, it really remodels that entire thing too. So not only you're going to get the hyperpigmentation reduction, you're actually going to get a lot of collagen building and lifting of the elastin structure too. So it's really a twofold and it's a beautiful result. I'm telling you, you might have about three to five days of downtime meaning you'll get microscopic little, uh, you know, healing, uh, you know, what am I trying to say? Little, little teeny tiny little dots that are going to have to heal by way of teeny little scabs. That's what I was thinking to say. So you're going to feel it. It's going to feel almost like sandpaper. You're not going to be able to see it as much as you will be able to feel it. So after about three to five days of that quote unquote downtime, that will eventually slough off you guys. And then your skin's going to produce brand new shiny skin up underneath. They're called corneocytes brand new shiny cells and your skin is fantastic after that. I do recommend a hydradermabrasion facial that introduces microdermabrasion, which is the exfoliation technique paired with hydration and water infusion. And you can, of course, always infuse serums that way as well. So that's a wonderful thing. Another thing for hyperpigmentation 
is light-based lasers, okay? Light-based through IPL, which stands for Intense Pulse Light, or BBL, which is Broadband Light. You have specific nanometer wavelengths of light from lasers, you guys, that go directly to the hyperpigmented lesions. And so the laser technician will just know, okay? If they're trained to know, they'll know exactly. They could even show you on the computer screens. I like to educate the clients, me personally, when I'm doing laser treatments, just to show them you know, what, what it's all about. What is this? Where's this all going? Because you can do different things with BBL or IPL. You can do acne settings. You can do skin tightening settings. You can do laser hair removal settings. You could do rosacea and vessels, but you can also, of course, do hyperpigmentation. And I always say that typically with nice brand new lasers, you're going to be able to see probably one of the best before and after results after the first session. Four sessions are usually recommended about three, four, or six weeks apart, depending upon what your physician recommends, okay? So it's always when there's lasers involved, physicians have to do physicals and medical histories and everything, and they need to delegate the services to an esthetician, nurse, or nurse practitioner to do the service. So all is good there, but just make sure you understand that that is what's required, especially in South Carolina is that physician consultation. But that's pretty, you know, apparent and, uh, you know, uh, streamlined throughout the whole United States. In every state, you've got your regulated lasers that way. And that should make you as a consumer feel very safe that that is kind of the protocols that are followed. You want to make sure that lasers are regulated in that space. So that's a good thing. But back to the BBL and IPL technology, IPL is a little bit more intense to one direction, whereas broadband kind of spreads out. I always say, you know, my preference is a little bit more BBL. You're going to get more broadband light instead of more specific to one spot. And so that's beautiful for folks that have a little bit of, you know, discoloration, hyperpigmentation, hormonal issues in different areas of the skin. So I love that. But you can even do your light-based lasers like that in conjunction with your ablative or fractional lasers. You can do it together because it treats different areas of the skin completely safe. I always say if you're a consumer, make sure you have uh, the cooling feature on laser treatments. So oftentimes there's cooling built into laser handles or you can hold a cryotherapy hose and that helps to cool down the skin. And usually that's what's required, but I definitely recommend it. And that's going to actually cut down on any safety issues between the laser and your skin tissue. You, you want to always keep the skin very cool. So none of this is scary. And that's my main focus for sure of my education when I'm teaching people about laser treatments is, you know, you can't be scared of the unknown. I think fear is always in your head. If you've never done something before, I can understand a little bit of that anxious, nervous feeling. However, when you're going to someone that's trained and you're going to someone that knows what they're doing, that is literally what the lasers are for. So there's no fear that needs to be involved, but there needs to be a lot of education involved. So always go to someone um, or a place, right, that focuses on consumer education. You should not have any questions about what kind of laser you're getting, what it treats, what it does. You know, is it light-based, meaning IPL or BBL technology? Or is it ablative, meaning fractional? And that can be consisting of the hybrid fractional, like I said, or straight-up fractional, which is when 100% ablative goes down deep into the skin. So fractional that's hybrid, hybrid fractional is going to be a little bit less downtime of three to five days. Straight-up fractional is going to be downtime of, you know, two to four weeks, really. It just kind of depends upon how deep you're going into the skin. I always say start with less 
and do more sessions, you know, instead of thinking one and done is the way to go. And a lot of consumers think that for some reason. They think that 10 years of sun damage is going to equal one treatment, and that is not the case. Always think monthly skincare treatments, whether it's a laser treatment, whether it is micro-channeling, micro-needling, which of course goes a little bit deeper, and then your regular facials, which consist of your microdermabrasion, hydrodermabrasion, and then chemical peels, you guys. Chemical peels are huge for hyperpigmentation. I love a good chemical peel, especially a Jesner peel. For those of you that are com combating hyperpigmentation, all estheticians can perform Jesner peels. And I do love a buildup too. Now, this is not a first session kind of a thing, but you know, when you're an esthetician, you know you would start with uh, chemical peels in the enzyme family, build people up to other ones. Of course, everybody loves a good lactic peel for exfoliation, yeah, hydration. And we love our glycolics as well. But I love a good combo peel, which is a Jesner solution. A Jesner solution is a chemical peel that's made up of 14% salicylic, 14% lactic. So you've got your AHA and BHA action. And then generally 14% resorcinol, which is in the alcohol family, which very much strips the lipid barrier in order to deliver the AHA and BHA where it needs to go into the skin. So what you're going to see is a fantastic reduction in hyperpigmentation. If you're a little bit more like, okay, I want to get into lasers, but let me do that after I do some of these other things. I would say start with your microdermabrasion to sand everything down build into some, you know, enzyme peels and lactic peels, and then try a layered Jesner peel. I love a Jesner peel of two to four layers. Wait one minute in between the application of layers. The skin's going to get a little frosted, which is very normal. And it will go down. It will kind of turn this whitish grayish tint. It'll usually pick up an area such as oily areas or your hyperpigmented lesions. And it does have a little bit of downtime in terms of the skin may darken up a little bit. And then it's going to peel off in the next, you know, two, four, five, seven days. It just depends on how many layers that you do. And as long as the consumer's educated on that fact, they're not going to be surprised. But make sure you do because the skin can darken up and that's a little bit of a scary feeling if the consumer does not know that's going to happen, but it's absolutely normal. And what's revealed up underneath is fresh, shiny, gorgeous new skin. And you can apply the squalene, the hyaluronic acid for healing, stem cells for healing, and the skin is beautiful after that. So I will also tell you my last and final very brand new device that we just got into the school is what I call and what they call actually from the company, uh, nano fractional radio frequency. Okay. So loving that because that's going to be fantastic for hyperpigmentation and fantastic for aging all around texture issues, scarring, but also for tightening of the skin. So you have nano fractionated laser almost. Okay. So the fractional piece of it is very microneedling esque, but it's got a fractionated technology to it, which is very laser esque. Okay. Very laser esque. No goggles need for this device, however, which is beautiful in terms of just ease of use. But then it has the RF technology, and I will tell you what radio frequency is. Radio frequency is alternating energy waveforms that produce nonspecific localized heat in the dermis and epidermis. I'll say that one more time. Radio frequency is alternating energy waveforms that produce nonspecific localized heat 
okay, into the dermis and epidermis. And you heard what I just said the last part there, is it sends alternating heat into the dermis, which is the deeper layers, okay, the papillary and reticular layers that sit on top of the fat or adipose tissue, and then the epidermis. So it alternates between. So I love the skin tightening benefits of radio frequency. If you know anything about radio frequency, there's no harm to the skin that be, can be caused of that. It doesn't even ablate into the skin. The ablative piece of the machine I'm talking about is the nanofractional piece, which I will call this, you know, either RF microneedling or, you know, fractional RF, which I love it. I'm telling you, I'm trying not to say the brand because there's a million different brands out there that are phenomenal with the machine and the equipment. But if you want to know, come and see me, shoot me an email or message. I would love to have you come in for that next week. You would absolutely love it. But I'm telling you, hyperpigmentation can be treated. And the overall premise of this is understanding the melanin suppressant ingredients that we discussed today, understanding the preventative measures that have to happen every single morning, you guys, as we had discussed, and then also getting on a routine with your esthetician for melanin suppressant uh, treatments, okay, specific to machines. And we talked about laser devices, light-based devices. We talked about ablative laser devices. We talked about fractional radio frequency devices. That was the last one that we discussed. We even talked about Jesner chemical peels, which are beautiful for hyperpigmentation reduction. And then kind of the pre and post care surrounding that, which would be your microdermabrasion to start, hydrodermabrasion to finish, to actually introduce hydration back into the skin after all those treatments, right? So I hope this was educational for you guys. A great way for me to spend my morning, I'll tell you that, always educating. You know, that's what I love to do, but I hope to see you again on another episode of the Skin Boss Podcast, and I cannot wait to chat with you then. Y'all have a fabulous weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.